<clears throat> so in part one, I covered a little bit, uh, a brief summary of my, uh, my history, and I covered the 22 genetic programs and the uh, spiritual and physical aspect of, of, the, of those programs. Uh, today, I'm going to talk about some of the end-time prophecies from different religions, as well as what I was shown. And interestingly enough, my grandfather was a minister, a Nazarene minister, and um, my parents, after they divorced, I moved in with them and when I was like five years old. And um, I used to sit and listen to him talk about revelations and end times, and he would always say, you're going to be alive during this, this uh, time period. And, um, and he talked about every religion having a different uh, uh, story about what is coming and that probably none of us had it exactly right. Little did I know I would be shown these things by uh, non-terrestrial beings and higher density beings who my grandfather would call angels. So let's get started. <clears throat> so apocalypse. The real meaning of it is it comes from um, apocalypto, I believe, um, a Greek prefix, and it, it just means uh, to reveal. It's basically, it means a great revealing. Now, to many of us, it's taken on a completely different meaning. It means, you know, when you hear about it, you think about cataclysm, the end, um, not something being re uncovered or disclosed. So apocalypse could mean disclosure. We've got to take the fear out of words. So we're going to be talking about solar events that uh, science has discovered occurs not only in our star but in other star systems on a cyclic, uh, in a cyclic nature. Um, that these solar cycles also have an effect on the Earth, sometimes causing polar shifts, but definitely driving. Um, you know, crazy weather, um, volcanoes, and uh, other geological types of uh, events. And around the time of these um, super flares is also the time of when um, we have more open contact with our cosmic cousins. They're allowed to come down and mingle with us um, in a way that will not interfere with our civilization because basically it would be a civilization ending event, this type of a solar event since we're a technological civilization. So we have Hindu texts that um, interestingly enough speak that um, um, astrological signs in the year 2012 pointed to the beginning of this cycle. And a lot of people like David Wilcock and other researchers, they talked about 2012 and they expected some amazing thing to happen, but what they didn't understand was that it was just the marking of the opening of a door, the beginning, us entering in uh, to, a new, um, to a new area of the galaxy even as uh, our solar system rotates across, uh, around the center of the galaxy. Buddhists, they have now, in context with what we've seen recently from suspicious observers, and they, re they released 25 
reports talking about solar events, uh, pole shifts, and really scary scenarios. After hearing that, it's hard not to be terrified when you hear, <laughs> when you read this. Um, you know, speaking of, you know, even the mountains um, perishing from, from the flames. So I think that, again, it's a good time to state that the sun does have periodic explosions and they're of different intensities. There's no way to predict the intensity. It's, uh, there's no way of predicting for sure or not whether it's gonna be a super intense event or if it's gonna be more of a moderate one. It's interesting they, uh, in the old text when you hear about uh, the sky looking like a scroll that is rolled up or the stars falling from their positions. What I believe they're referencing is an actual physical pole shift in the earth. You know, the stars uh, are coming up in a different area. The sun may even rise in a different, from a different direction. And uh, a lot of this is reflected in the ancient texts and um, We've probably heard these things uh, interpreted in many different ways, and often we don't have it right until the very end. <clears throat> and so even in the Christian faith, this is the type of stuff that I grew up on, and maybe many of you did. Um, but um, you know, real scary uh, scenarios of an angel breaking a sixth seal, and heavens, the, the um, earth, the islands, and move from their places from major earthquakes, volcanoes. Um, in some of the uh, biblical prophecy, they've talked about uh, hailstones becoming larger, and that's, that this all goes back to the cosmic energies that are coming in, that um, they've proven that cosmic energies affect weather. They create clouds, uh, cause water vapor to create uh, clouds, and uh, an increase in these cosmic waves cause an intensity change in storms. You start seeing stronger hurricanes more often, uh, or hurricanes occurring more often. These are all things that are signs, but it's not a, a, really a supernatural thing. It's just a, um, a reaction on the planet to all of these cosmic rays coming in, heating up the core of the planet. And of course, we have the Hopi prophecy of the, uh, the blue star. When I used to see this passage here, I, was, I thought that it was a space station of some sort that uh, fell from the heavens and that was gonna be uh, a major sign that it was gonna maybe burn real uh, a color blue as it entered into the atmosphere. Um, but I'm, I'm being told that uh, uh, the Hopi prophecy is very much tied into the solar events and that, um, that we should approach looking at them again from that perspective. So we're going to talk a lot of, about, a, about some scary stuff, uh, potentially. <laughs> Polar shifts, uh, galactic superwaves, liquefaction. Um, many of you may have heard me talk on um, cosmic disclosure or at events about how when there are these global earthquakes, it, it shakes everything so uniformly that the ground beneath us becomes like liquid. And entire civilizations have sunken into the ground, and then the ground solidifies, and you can't, you can't tell that it had liquefied. 
there are no real signs, especially after you know hundreds or thousands of years. So I think it'd be a good idea for uh, at a lot of these ancient sites for people to start really doing a lot of ground penetrating radar because I think that you know. 30, 40 or more feet below the surface, there could be a lot of ancient structures that just melted into the ground. And we're gonna talk about the electric universe. We have to have an understanding of the electric universe and the cosmic web to understand how these energies are transmitted throughout um, multiple solar systems. They're all connected through this cosmic web. Most of the information I've received in the last few years is that <clears throat> they had a secret space program that was already going out visiting our um, solar system and local solar systems, and they were discovering signs of solar events that were causing uh, cyclical cataclysms. Well, they needed more resources to work on this than just uh, their, their secret space program, and they didn't want to disclose the secret space program, so they established NASA to be able to work with mainstream scientists and talk openly about theories and ideas that they had already proven in the secret programs. And one of NASA's uh, largest secret um, agendas was to verify that uh, these solar events did occur and try to predict when the next one would be. That's why we have so many uh, satellites observing the sun, and also uh, we're going to other planets in our solar system looking for signs of cataclysms. Uh, this morning, as a matter of fact, they just released information that Mars appears to have had an actual pole shift. They, th through doing magnetic studies, the north and south pole were shifted over and didn't match its current axis um, where the north and south pole would be. And that's sort of new information as well coming out. Now, another reason that uh, um, they started the secret space programs like the Global Galactic League of Nations that most of the NATO countries and a, and a few South American countries and um, North African countries participate in and to some degree, they had approached these countries, provided them information proving that this cataclysm occurs over and over and that, guess what? We're probably just decades away from the next one. It's overdue. Well, that was the carrot that motivated all of these uh, countries to, and I don't know what the percentage is, but they all dedicated a certain percentage of their gross domestic product to go towards this secret space program and also building out facilities uh, to protect people and, in safe zones. Um, they, they've built them down in, in Brazil and in China. They've built quite a few. I think uh, the, movie, the movie 2012, where they have the arcs in China that were built secretly, and that's where all the elite went, I think that was a little bit of disclosure because they have a lot of bases uh, that are built underground and that were paid for not just by the Chinese, but multinational groups. And in these, they've made agreements that in these different bases, they bring uh, people from different uh, countries and, and bring them together to make sure people are preserved in, in, mid, in many different places. And they also do it off planet. They take people from every, uh, every country uh, off planet. And they tell them that this program is preservation of species to make sure that if the Earth is 
mostly destroyed. Well, we have um, a redundancy backup of people in another star system or somewhere in our star system so that the human species will never go extinct. That is what they sell to these um, countries, and these countries provide, provide trillions of dollars every year that go into these programs, and uh, then the, the money is spent on, on various other programs that they don't know about or didn't agree to. And of course, now, recently, on Suspicious Observers, uh, it's um, a YouTube channel that I follow pretty closely, um, they've discussed what I talked about about a year ago, stating that the most likely time for the star to go micronova is when it's coming out of one of its approximately 11-year 11, 11 um, quiet cycles, when there are no sunspots on the sun and no solar flares. So we have, they think, just entered solar minimum, though you usually don't know until six months or a year until you're in solar minimum. Scientists try to predict it. It's, it's kind of like... Uh, um, like a gambling game that they, you know, play with each other. You know, no one, no one ever gets it right. But um, also, they can never predict when it's going to end because they're slightly different. They're approximately 11 years, but they can go longer and shorter. They think that we're at the point now because they've, in, in other star systems, there have been these solar micronovas, novas, and they know that when these happen, there's also a feedback through the cosmic web to all the other stars connected and that they go off in a certain um, order, I guess. They, they go off in a certain order, uh, how far they're placed away from each other or how big the star is, the intensity, that type of thing. And scientists, um, I mean, that's, that's just been released mainstream and that was something that David and I talked about a year ago when we first started discussing this topic. And of course, the big, the big lie <laughs> that uh, physical, that uh, classical science, is, uh, classical physics is the true physics model. Um, I've stated in the past that electrical engineers come out of school knowing more about how the universe works than cosmologists because they're working from the wrong information, the wrong models. And uh, the electroplasmic universe is a model that these secret space programs work in. And they understand that there's an energetic transfer constantly going on between everything, every star. And they're able to tap into the cosmic web and use it for communications and travel. So the knowledge of the cosmic web is starting to come out. More and more information about the electric universe is coming out. You know, there is no dark matter. You know, they're starting to find out that it has to do with the torsion of space and um, that it's, uh, it's the electroplasmic uh, model. When that it becomes mainstream, we're going to see a sudden bump up in technology. And um, all of this technology has also already been developed in the uh, background, but they're going to act like it was just discovered and released. But first, they have to start letting us know how the scientific principles work a little bit. So there's, they've been acclimating us to the electric universe and plasmic universe uh, uh, model for a while. So the cosmic waves, as I stated, are heating up the Earth. They're causing volcanoes to start popping here and there. 
and uh, earthquakes um, to, to start building up in intensity. And we're overdue for some big earthquakes, not only in California, but in a number of places, including places, unfortunately, where um, supervolcanoes are. And I've had some discussions with some people here about, you know, things are, are looking not good over the next 10 years in, um, in the area of, uh, what's, what's that volcano? Yellowstone. Yellowstone, that's right. Yeah, things are not looking good at all. And I, I was talking with the guys from Edge of Wonder, and you know, I, was, I told them I was told of other supervolcanoes that are not on the maps, not officially, that are they're in the ocean, that they've watched very closely, uh, mainly because the cabal has tried to sneak in there and put nukes in them so they could uh, blackmail people, not, not to put them in prison. Uh, but they've, they monitor um, the supervolcanoes for security reasons as well as to know how they're behaving. So the pole shift. <clears throat> Who saw one of the suspicious observer videos on the pole shift and it just scared the crap out of you? <laughs> yeah, well that, that study, I have to say, is the absolute worst case scenario and it came from science and knowledge of how the atmosphere works back in the 60s. We know that the way these, the jet streams work, if the Earth changes the way they describe that the winds will not necessarily go 700 miles an hour around the Earth. You have, uh, the atmosphere is thick, it's, it's holding on to itself, it's viscous, and it's, and it's gonna, it's, it reacts differently in the computer models that they have now than uh, what the scientists postulated back then. I just wanna make that clear as well. Um, scientists <clears throat> state that uh, every two to 300,000 years there is a pole shift, but they're finding out that when the Earth does shift on its axis, over time it, it shifts back. And that's why in the geological record, when they study um, a lot of the geological record, they can't find where the Earth shifted and just stayed. And so scientists argue that point and they debate it. But what uh, they discovered in the programs is that the Earth came back close to alignment. And uh, that made up for the discrepancy that some of the scientists uh, used to debate against it. <clears throat> Apparently, we're well overdue for one of these pole shifts. Um, According to the scientific record mainstream, <clears throat> the poles attempted to uh, shift 40,000 years ago but didn't. Um, my information that I received was that there was a, not a pole reversal, but there was a change in the axis of the Earth due to a solar event that was like 11,800 years ago during the time of Atlantis. Uh, some information puts Atlantis even further back, but uh, you know Atlantis uh, existed for a long period of time. The pre-Adamites had been here during other cataclysms as well. So the Royal Ast Astronomical Society uh, quarter quarterly journal I can barely talk today. <laughs> they put out uh, a study talking. State, stating that even though the skeptics state otherwise, the scientists are saying that ETs will most likely choose individuals to slowly contact over time. And they also state that it would be a, akin to a spiritual experience for these people. 
that they wouldn't necessarily go to governments first because they're not trustworthy, obviously, and they're trying to shoot them out of the sky. <laughs> so this, um, it's, it's interesting that uh, these scientists thought that we would be, as uh, contactees, many of us, would be contacted first and not governments. That's totally the antithesis of what I've seen scientists and uh, people of that type put out before. They've, they've always stated that, you know, a UFO, if there were UFOs, they would land on the White, Horse, White House lawn, you know. <laughs> the galactic superwave. <clears throat> so, in 1983, there's a person who's information has escaped a lot of uh, uh, a lot of recognition but in 1983 way ahead of his time Paul Laviolette how do you say his last name? Laviolette La okay um, was uh, a scientist that was first studying how the cosmic rays first of all how we're traveling through the, the galaxy and we're entering an area of space to where there are more cosmic rays and those cosmic rays are affecting the Earth and other planets in the solar system by causing them to heat up and for their atmospheres to become more dynamic and for earthquakes to pick up. And that's exactly what has occurred. The, his information mirrored what I was seeing in the secret space program when they were talking about this galactic wave coming in, but they said it was in the form of almost like gas clouds when they observed it through their telemetry. And they actually sent ships out to observe it and tried to uh, take samples, if you wish, if you can, uh, and try to learn more about this wave coming in. And as I described in the past, when the ship, one of the ships got really close, everyone on board became, uh, began to behave very strangely, uh, aggressively. Uh, the people that were more zen and laid back became more so. The people that were agitated, which in the military there's a lot of agitated people. <laughs> I can imagine how bad it, it got, but they said that the people that were already agitated became violent at times and couldn't control themselves. Well, they were able to reproduce this later on in labs. They would have people, unsuspecting people come in, um, scientists that worked for them or um, lab uh, uh, assistants and would have them sit there doing data entry at a room or uh, some other task and then they would pipe in this energy and observe them and consistently the ones that were really laid back were spiritual would bliss out they would become very happy-go-lucky almost like they were intoxicated and the people who had a lower vibration would become violent so they know that we, our star system is entering into this wave and when it does, the electromagnetic field of the sun, the way energy, when it goes through the cloud, the energies interact with the electromagnetic fields and go into the north and south poles of the stars and then they radiate out through the star. But, but it, comes, it makes it through the solar barrier as well, but it's radiating from out of the star and that feeds back into the cosmic web as well, sending that um, intensity to other stars. So the blue spheres that were appearing in our solar system, they started appearing as back as the 1930s. They were 
not necessarily appearing, they were coming into our solar system and were not visible, but they were on the outskirts of the sun and towards the, um, towards closer to the sun, and they were buffering these energies that were coming out because we would have had this crazy end time madness, you know, much earlier than we were able to deal with it. Right now, we're not, I mean, we're seeing, I mean, everyone around us, you look at all of the various countries, everyone's rising up, there's just this something simmering, and you can feel it. Well, it's this energy building up, and it's affecting people's physiologies, their psychologies, um, their spiritual, spiritual aspects of themselves that they haven't ever uh, visited or um, um, contemplated before. So the turmoil, I'm, I'm afraid to tell you, is only going to get worse. This end-time madness is only going to increase. And, uh, but the blue spheres were there for a while, and they were buffering this, or we, we may have self-destructed um, years ago. And here's the, I spoke on this already, the liquefaction. If you can look at this, look at this card, it looks like uh, it was, you know, like cement was poured in around and very carefully uh, trawled out and, and let to dry. But this was a car that was sitting on solid ground. The earthquake occurred and it just melted into, it, it, I mean, it, the ground really becomes like liquid. And the, the car sunk in and then, uh, the earthquake stopped and it solidified, and so there, there has to be, uh, I'm told there, there are quite a bit of interesting artifacts and uh, remnants of civilizations below the ground that archaeologists would say, no, that's too deep, that's too deep. It would make sense, you know, uh, you know they, on the strata of the dirt when they dig, you know, this is this many years. So they don't, they don't look at a certain depth because it doesn't make sense to them and they're whatever narrative that they've bought into about how old civilization is. <clears throat> okay, so we'll talk about, so I've talked about some of the information, of course, from the SSP that I've received, but we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, some of these sources. Uh, I, cover, I covered a lot of this already. <coughs> I am going to do a Q&A after. So one of the things I <clears throat> didn't cover yet, I guess, is um, the Mandela effect. That one shows us that there are different timelines, and so we don't necessarily have to be on a completely cataclysmic timeline. But the Mandela effect is showing us that a lot of these different timelines are collapsing and merging back together. And that's it's what occurs in, star, in different star systems when, uh, when you have all of these different fragmented timelines. When you get to the point of this uh, solar event, it, it's also a, it's a reset. I mean, not only do you, you have a new heaven and a new earth, or a new planet where it happens, everything is, is reset. And, and of course, when I was sitting in the chair and I was being shown the solar event that occurred in the Anshars, timeline and their history, I experienced it as if it really happened. It, it was, uh, I, ha I mean, I had a major anxiety attack breakdown when it was occurring. It, it, was, it seemed so real. One of the things that I was shown was a mass hitting the, uh, in the Earth's atmosphere. It was either an asteroid or a solar mass ejected, and it exploded over the Pacific Ocean, causing a small tsunami 
but uh, that occurred very soon before the actual solar event occurred, and it showed um, solar mass ejected uh, coming at the Earth and then eventually striking the Earth and the Moon um, over Europe, and over close to Europe, and where Europe meets uh, the, the Atlantic Ocean. And at that point, I saw the Earth move, and then um, it be all the clouds built up. It became almost like Venus, just all the clouds built up. I think the, um, probably a, a lot of the ocean was probably vaporized, and it filled you know, the atmosphere with a lot of vapor. And it was soon after that that all, it looked like the stars were falling out of the sky but they were cosmic cousins from the local star system coming in to render aid in mass. And um, also um, compelling those still in the programs to share technologies that uh, they had suppressed and technologies that, quite frankly, are robust enough to survive much of the EMP um, the intense EMPs that our technology can't, can't handle at all. So I've, I've spoken about this in the past as well. The Anshar made it clear that um, what many of us would consider God is, cosmic, is the cosmic energy. It's a cosmic consciousness. And what one cosmic consciousness that is basically circulating around our galaxy is basically what we call the Christ consciousness or Christ energy. And it's an extremely intense energy. As it goes through different star systems, at the leading edge are the energies that we've been studying and feeling that cause the end time madness. And those catalyze the people on whatever planet to be forced to uh, every trauma, every agitation that's tied to either a trauma or something you haven't dealt with starts popping up, and it forces, it gives people an opportunity anyway to deal with those um, issues in that sh in the short period of time you have left before that same energy that's trailing the the energy that causes the anti madness the, it gets more intense, and that's the energy that causes the solar flashes. So it's, it, it's an energy that prepares you for a more intense energy. And what RE told me was that we had um, gotten it incorrect when it comes to the Christ consciousness. It doesn't come back to judge us and uh, smite us for you know, being horrible people. It comes back and forces us to judge ourselves. And there's no escaping it, no escaping it. So, I guess it's a good idea to pay attention when you're getting agitated or you're, you're finding yourself being reactionary and uh, maybe do a little backtracking and try to figure out what's causing that and deal with it. Because as I've said, karma um, and uh, trauma, they, they, are, they have mass. Energy has mass. And when you're holding on to that energy and that mass, it makes you more dense. And when these cosmic energies come through, they can't pass through you as easily. Um, they're going, you know, they're going to cause friction on with that other energy. You know, there's going, it's going to cause 
um, uh, a vibratory state that uh, is going to hold you back and it's definitely not going to allow your consciousness to ascend. So there's also, they, they talk to me about uh, clearing out metals out of our bodies because the, our bodies are such major conductors of energy and electricity, when these energies come in, the last thing we want are a bunch of aluminums and fluorides and, and metals in our body to be able to react to these energies. And when I say react to these energies, I was given an example of people having pennies in their pocket melt during the Carrington event. So if you have these metals in your body, can you see where maybe some people would just disappear into spontaneous combustion? And if they also have all these karmic things that they haven't dealt with, that those too can cause you to spontaneous combust because there's a friction occurring, there's an interaction occurring with those energies that you haven't released. So no pressure. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, implants too. So what can we do to prepare? One of the things, you know, having a, a good high vibratory diet, keeping yourself in shape is, uh, is something that they, uh, the Anshar and the Blue Avians were really uh, pushing me to do. Um, they also, I'm, I've been getting questions about uh, safe locations during these events. Um, I'm getting more information about that. It just depends on the intensity of the event and all of that. But I was uh, encouraged to move to the Boulder, Colorado area for a reason. So I did move there. Um, but the main thing is to approach this staying out of fear. Having foreknowledge of what you, would, what you will do, depending, no matter how intense this event ends up being. It could just be another... Um, more intense Carrington type of event where it knocks out all of our electricity, uh, causes some fires here and there, but it's not, not that destructive. Uh, but what do you do afterwards? You know, our cosmic cousins were, are gonna come and help, but you know, how long of a line are you gonna have to stand in to get that help? You know, be, being prepared to you know, take care of yourself and your family is just smart. And um, coming together and building off-grid communities finding ways to get back to um, the times to where you know, a lot of technology wasn't used uh, to raise crops. Uh, well, technology was used, uh, wise technology, um, uh, working with the planet, but not you know, using all of the uh, heavy chemicals and, uh, of course, the technology that we won't have available to us. Um, but you know, learning, together to come, learning to come together to form these types of group groups is important. And of course, one of the most important things is for everyone to be doing the inner work and meditating on their inner work, but also coordinated mass meditations really have an effect. And if we can coordinate mass meditations, that, is, that can have an effect on the intensity of this event. Or even if it's an intense event, like I said, it could happen the timing of it could happen when we're in a safer area or when the moon is positioned in a better, more favorable position. You know, there are a lot of variables there and us meditating on that and trying to manifest that, I think, is the best uh, approach. Because trying to manifest an event not happening, it's like, you know, 
we're like fleas on the dog that's ascending, you know, and, and we're trying to stop the dog from having it, from shaking after it gets out of the water. You know, who are we? You know, this, is, this planet is going through an ascension. Our star is going through this ascension. And we're just, we're along for the ride. I think that's it. <laughs> Q&A. Thank you. Well, I need to know a little bit more about detoxing metals. Mm -hmm. And uh, because I've, uh, it's like, hey, that's one thing to do, but how do you do it? I've done detoxes for other reasons, but not necessarily specifically for metals. Right. I'm, if there's someone here that, uh, that, that's an important question to answer. I know that there are a certain type of silica and certain types of water. Um, like, you can add it to water, but I think Fuji is one of the ones that, I think it has other things that are not good, but it mm -hmm. has that uh, uh, silica in it, and that silica makes it pass the blood-brain barrier, mm -hmm. and it's able to remove aluminum and, and okay. stuff like that, I'm told. There are other, um, uh, there's a lot you can find on the internet, I think, like celery and kale, cilantro and stuff like that removes okay. these things from, from your body. Okay, so but I you have to, to remember that study. there are good metals that you need to have in your body yeah. to take the proper, while you're doing that, also replenish um, the minerals that you're taking out with the proper vitamins. Okay. The other question is then, uh, obviously a lot of us here have fillings mm -hmm. and uh, still have a few of those emulgums and not the composites. So I guess I'm going to be at the dentist for a while. But uh, yeah, okay, thank you very much. Uh, when you talk about a high vibratory diet, there's so many different dietary um, regimens described on the internet, each of which purports to be you know, the, the highest and best new form of feeding ourselves. What, uh, is there a single way of doing it that you think? Um, I don't think the, so. I think yeah. people are so different, their metabolism, you know, there's so mm -hmm. many differences between people, um, different blood types that you need to find the, the proper approach for you. If you try to, you know, you may not do well eating my diet, but um, yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, it's definitely not good to, you know, eat animals, you know, that's something I think many here will agree with. Um, but, uh, you know, trying to, you um, trying to stay away from also a lot of uh, the GMO types of foods, of course. Mm -hmm. But uh, eating, just eating healthy, um, the way your body responds the best, and trying to cut out all of uh, you know, the junk. Okay. And the only other question I have is, you've mentioned Boulder, Colorado. Were there any other specific locations that you were shown <clears throat> as being? Uh, uh, yes, <clears throat> and I, I need to uh, refer back to that information, but the one that sticks out the most is uh, the Ozarks. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, Corey. Hello. Thank you for being here. Thank you for doing this for us. I'm sure a lot of people here have extraordinary experiences which brought them here. And I'm wondering about where they can go to kind of find out more what's going on. One friend especially had, you know how Terrier brings up the three fingers. She had electrical currents running through both of her arms, her whole body, and it was doing this. Where do we even go when things like this are happening to a friend of ours or ourselves? You're in the right spot right okay. now. <laughs> <laughs> the best that, what can I mean, we say? I mean, I, I we're not getting you, an answer of why that happened to her. It's amazing. People 
there are so many people having um, having amazing experiences, mm -hmm. and they don't have anyone to share them with. Right. You know, uh, and everyone wants to share them with me, and they want to yeah, say, so "What does it mean?" Of course, yeah, yeah, I'm I know. Like, I don't know what it means. You know, yeah. it might mean you know, but we all want to be validated, and the best way to do that is to come together the way we're doing right now and have conversations with others about your experiences, and then you have, you have more input and more support around you. Um, I mean, you can try to find forums online in different ways of uh, you know, staying online and staying connected to your tribe or the people that you connect with, but I think physically getting in proximity with these types of people from time to time, you know, like every quarter or whatever to, to refresh and to be able to share what's going on is, is really important psychologically mm -hmm. because in our regular lives, most of us anyway, there's, we can't talk to anyone about right. it. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Hi, Corey. Thank Hello. you for everything Thank you. that you're doing. Um, I'm from Japan, and uh, one of my friends met the Blue Avian a couple years ago, and she, her life is totally changed after that, and she's helping and supporting the, the children from stars right now. And she and m me too, but um, we are kind of, where is blue avians right now? Because she doesn't <clears throat> see them like blue oves and the, yeah. the blue avians. Not they anymore. only visit me in my dreams now, after, after they had uh, kind of faded out of our reality and these new guardians had come in, yeah. you know, they kind of faded out, but they still communicate with people through dreams. And they often appear uh, in your dreams maybe as a white avian, white avian. a black avian, or uh, a blue avian. Um, and also different mixtures of that. You know, they, they appear in different ways to different people. But uh, yeah, once you've been introduced to that consciousness, you know, it's like an archangel type consciousness. It affects you in ways that you'll, you'll never be the same. It's, you know, you, it's like you put one field, uh, moderate field next to a strong field, and then the stronger field kind of takes over and changes this field into being kind of the same as, as it. It's, it's so intense. So their consciousness has such an effect on yours energetically that you, you, there's no way you can be the same. One more question, please. Thank you. Um, about the mass meditation. Mm -hmm. um, in Japan, uh, your mass meditation is almost always in the midnight. midnight. Yeah. So we just can't stay you know, <laughs> awake. So uh, how about the, the timeline, time? Can we do that in a different time? Well, I think that <laughs> The most, uh, I think it would be better to set it up to where um, maybe it's the same time in each time zone. And as the planet's going around, it has a constant flow of conscious, positive conscious man manipulation going on. So it'd probably have a stronger effect if we had people across the planet doing it at different times to, to make it a longer duration. Like the waves. Like the waves, yeah. <laughs> Hello. Um, so I'm definitely enjoying like the whole talk on the wormholes and um, the consciousness as within, so without, um, how the wor wormholes are connected like externally even to ourselves. Um, so listening to you talk about the solar events and um, the pole shifts um, and how our consciousness affects even the sun and things of that nature. Do you feel or have you received any information that like the more we heal 
um, the more we do heal our internal conflicts, heal our trauma, heal the timelines, will that have like an easier effect on us going through the pole shifts or the solar events? Um, have you heard anything like that? I, I definitely think that I definitely think that's the case. Dr. Sala's presentation was excellent, mm -hmm. talking about you know how every um, atom. I mean, it, it's a, a, a wormhole, mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of how we're held together. And when we get to a certain point to where we fully understand that we are one, and you begin to understand the integration of everything, then you can collapse yourself within that wormhole and go anywhere you want. There's a species that learned to do that very early, and um, it was, it's a, they're African, we're calling them the, the, the Zulus. They're real tall African-looking people, and they're super spiritual. They didn't develop all of this crazy technology like we did. They developed a shamanistic type of technology, and they developed technology like with crystals like the Anshar did, and, and working with different stones together, and uh, they developed and, and were able to use their consciousness through them. <clears throat> and they became one of the most powerful uh, human species around. They were never conquered by the Draco, because they also developed the ability to affect the Draco mentally when they would try to get close. This group, early on, shockingly early on, developed the ability to do what I talked about, to collapse in, in their inner uh, wormhole. And I, I had never known how to describe it. And when he gave his presentation, it just clicked. These beings are able to do that. They never developed spaceships, but they were the first people in uh, the local star cluster that were doing commerce or trade between uh, star systems, and they didn't have spaceships. They were just popping back and forth. Their uh, own Merkabas? I'm sorry? Their light bodies are yeah. Merkabas? Yeah, well, exactly what uh, Dr. Saul was talking about. They're, we were held together by just trillions and trillions of basically wormholes. Mm -hmm. And they're able to consciously collapse their matter inward into those and, and go to anywhere in uh, the galaxy they want to, basically through the cosmic web and they're able to mentally travel places everywhere. And most people, the encounters they've had on Earth with them, um, and I've had encounters with them, they never speak. They dance, like crazy dance, and they come to lift your vibration, and these crazy loving looks in their eyes, and they, I'm just dancing and all over the place, and the energy just, you know, if you're feeling really bad or, or, or down, uh, it it starts to lift your vibration. And they're coming to uh, various people, uh, raising their vibrations. And most people are seeing them in dreams or in meditative states. They, they will see them before them. Thank you. Hi, I'm Jana Bogues. And thank you for your work in the world. Thank you. It seems like that I've been tasked with bringing better and high, higher quality foods to the world higher vibrational frequency. Now, you visited the Anshar, and you did get to see some of their mm -hmm. growing technology. Can you share a little bit more about that? Yeah, it was um, a hydropon the hydroponic systems. With It had water cascading out of somewhere in the cavern that was coming across um, rocks that had crystal in the substrate. And it, it flowed across. And there were just crops everywhere. And they the light that they were, um, that photosynthesis was coming from, was coming from, they use, they told me they use sound 
to create light in the correct spectrum that they in the spectrum they want. So there were no light fixtures or anything like that. There was just it was just uniform light, no shadows, uh, and uh, that um, it also had to do with that light that they were using, the frequency of the light that enhanced, uh, along with the crystal substrate, enhanced the vibratory state of the uh, plants. So is there anything that you can take from that and share that might work for us here on the surface of the planet? Uh, I think people are already experimenting with a lot of this, um, I think. But uh, um, I, I think it's stuff that, uh, you know, the Anshar and others are communicating with people in dreams, dream states. And, you know, there are scientists that talk about they don't know where the information came from when they have had major breakthroughs. Well, that happens with artists, create, you know, people who are creative in all of these different ways. You know, that inspiration or something, you know, gives you that spark. And usually it's you're being helped from another realm. And that, I think that's the way a lot of this information is starting to get out there because we're starting to see all these techniques being used, you know, in, you know, this, in our community, you know, people building things with hempcrete, you know, just different different ideas and trying things different. And I think, I think that's where the information is going to come from, is from within people that are getting the guidance. Mm -hmm. Great. Thanks so much. It's a bit of a boring question, but um, I just was really shocked a few months ago when I got thrown back into the vaccination situation. Uh, I was able to avoid that the whole time for my son because I homeschooled him. And uh, now he's a teenager starting high school. and. It's a huge war, right? It's like I felt like I had to be the hugest warrior to avoid him from being vaccinated because also, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he um, because he's a teenager, he's questioning everything that I say now. So I'm just a hippie mom, right? And um, and online, as you maybe all be aware, like it's the whole anti-vaxxers um, propaganda. Right. Um, so what I would say would not mean anything. And at school, they would try and talk him into it. I had to basically keep him home one day to avoid it. Um, so what do you have to say about that if there is like work happening around this, to about speaking on metals in the body and all of that? I think within what I call the Earth Alliance, there are definitely factions that are not happy with vaccinations, the mandatory vaccinations, you know, the many dozens that you know, people are required to have. And they're trying to, I think that as you, we start seeing more of the deep state information come out, we're gonna find out that it's all tied together. That you know, they'll just keep pulling, keep pulling and more and more is gonna, is more and more is gonna be revealed. And it's gonna, a lot of it's gonna have to do with um, population management, um, uh, all kinds, some really dark things, and vaccinations are going to be definitely tied to it. I worked, I'm not going to say the name of the company, but at a company that created a lot of vaccinations. And I mean, this is, I mean, the, when I sat and talked with them, when I, I did computer work, I'd work on their computers, the bioengineers, I would ask them if they give their kids the, these vaccinations, and they said no. They emphatically said no way. And I was like, why? They said, we have insect proteins in some of these uh, injections that we give people. We have different, you know, animal proteins. He said there's even, uh, and some of them, fetal material. 
And he said, on top of that, the way they're created, they are um, less pure than veterinary uh, uh, samples that, that are used on animals. So not only all the crap they put in it can it have effect on us, but the way it's made. It's made in a way that uh, the purity level, the potency levels, of, they're not consistent. And they told me that, and from that day forward, I, I didn't get any more vaccinations, but um, my daughter had received many of hers, and uh, my son doesn't get vaccinations anymore either. We um, have him in, in a, a Waldorf-type school to where we can make sure that he doesn't have to have uh, vaccinations. Yeah, no doubt that it feels like this huge poison that is going to get injected and it cannot be undone. Mm -mm. So it's like, I think it's a huge thing that we all, like, all parents have to be like warriors to not say no to this. Yeah. But I just feel that it's not really it's happening. It's hard, too, because you're made to feel really bad, you know. Our, yeah. Even our doctor would make us, try to make us feel ignorant. Oh, I know. You know like, but this not, is huge. Not giving flu shots. Yes, so. no, they will make a huge, I don't see yeah. these doctors anymore, but they're like, Anyways, it's very upsetting to me, so, okay, thank you very much. That was linking on from the last question. Um, I think one of the ways with the anti-vax is to get in the group so you've got support. Mm -hmm. There's massive anti-vax groups and we all support each other in Perth, in Australia, so that's one way. Cool. Um, so I wanted to ask, how can we help prepare the children and how will this affect bringing new children onto the planet now, other than not vaccinating the good foods um, we're going to homeschool, no systems. Um, yeah, I wanted to ask about that. And also about living by the ocean. A lot of us spiritually grow because the ocean is our yeah. life. Yeah. And is that a good, like, where do we move to? Is that a safe place? We may not necessarily need to move. You just need to pay attention because there are going to be more and more signs to come. If... Um, you begin to see weird plasmic discharges in the upper atmosphere that look very similar to cave drawings. To, uh, to cave drawings, you know, that the ancients, they were drawing these weird shapes for a reason. It was electroplasmic discharges that occurred uh, kind of like auroras out of control in the sky because of the electromagnetic uh, fluctuations from the sun. So there will be signs. Uh, if, you know, storms start becoming a lot more energetic. Uh, you're going to see the turmoil. You know, at that point, uh, unless you're ready to <clears throat> go through a new cycle or to, 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 to let things in, I, I think it's a good idea to at least have a place where you would flee to. Inland. Inland, yeah. Mm. Higher altitudes. <coughs> and the children, how, how can we help prepare the children? <clears throat> I, I think the main w way to prepare the children is, and I've got to get my kids in this, is to get them off of devices and get them back outside, connecting with the earth, working with you, gardening, learning how to, uh, you know, read, uh, you know, uh, find their way in the woods, you know, all, all of these things that you used to learn in Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts. Um, but uh, that type of thing is really going to empower them, you know, teach them how to start a fire, you know, how to, you know, how to survive. Because mm -hmm. that's going to be more important than knowing uh, how to, you know, play one of these video games to the highest level. <laughs> Thank you. We're 
we're device free and he already knows how to start a fire. So. Uh, yeah, I'm trying. It's very difficult. <laughs> Thank you. Good morning, Corey. I'm Vicki from Austin, a little closer. Um, I've been a nurse for 30 years, and now pretty much the hospitals are forcing the nurses to either be vaccinated yep. or wear masks. So this was the first year I said, okay, I'll try to wear a mask as best I can, but our shifts are normally 12-hour shifts. So you get a little woozy after a while, but I did my best. So, um, but uh, my question on a whole different turn, I'm wondering if there's anything that we can do to help clean up the oceans. I'm sure that uh, we could, um, each of us, especially if you live closer to the ocean, a lot of garbage ends up in the ocean, and most of the people in this community are real uh, cognizant of, you know, the way they interact with, you know, their environment. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's something a, uh, another thing to meditate on. You know, to meditate that uh, uh, something, some sort of uh, um, solution is found. But maybe that floating garbage patch out in the middle of the ocean when we have a solar flash, maybe that'll be vaporized as well. So, <laughs> but I think that we do need to start finding ways to end the problem ourselves and not wait for a solar flash. Um, but I, I don't have any specific instances that I can think of that how we can clean the oceans unless we all just get in boats and spend our vacations pulling all the stuff out of the ocean. <laughs> uh, the telescopes, on Mauna Kea, <clears throat> one of the ways that uh, astronomers justify them is saying that they discovered dark matter through them. Um, I believe you said that there is no such thing as dark matter. And also, would you please describe in more detail what is meant by the electric universe? Yeah, dark, dark matter, they have all but proven doesn't exist. Science, all, I mean, the, the Hadron Collider, all of these different, uh, they've put billions of dollars into proving that dark matter exists. And every study, when it gets to its conclusion, can't prove that it exists. Or they, they say that there's something that we're not considering. You know, So scientists are very close to finally taking the dark matter theory and setting it aside. I think that's going to happen in the next four or five years, um, if not sooner. Um, as far as the electric universe, every star in every galaxy is connected by an electromagnetic filament. And I wish I had the uh, uh, graphic to show. When there are some um, images that they call the cosmic web that NASA has that shows, what, shows an ancient picture of the light captured um, from the universe. And they show that everything is kind of connected by these long filaments. Those long filaments are electromagnetic filaments, and energy and information goes through them bidirectionally. And it's a constant, there's this pulse going on so quickly, it's a cycle, and things are, are traveling back and forth uh, through this cosmic web, almost like cables. Um, and information travels between the stars. Now, Within each star system, there are also these electromagnetic filaments between each planet and their star. And 
one of the things that we haven't discussed very much is that there is a cosmic web that is consciousness. It's all tied in with consciousness as well. Um, if you could see the way mass consciousness is connected, the way humanity's mass consciousness is connected, and you put it into a graphic, it would look very much like the same picture that they have of the cosmos that shows the cosmic web. Where every, every single thing in point in space is connected. And Dr. Sala's talk kind of touched on how that's possible, how everything is connected through these little wormholes through the cosmic web, including consciousness. Hey, Corey, I just wanted to say, uh, first of all, thank you for helping people to um, have a model uh, to navigate this very difficult time in these, uh, this ascension process uh, in, a, in a positive and um, coherent direction. So I really wanted to commend you for that. Thank you. Um, and my question is specifically about water. If you've had any um, revelations about need to know information, things that we need to know about water itself, its nature, and how we interact with it. Yeah, water is created by the sun. You know, the sun is a star, uh, a water factory, weirdly, because we think of it as this big ball of fire. But uh, it's, put, it's, it's basically a giant replicator. All of this um, energy that's coming in through the cosmic web, coming out through the sun, creates a lot of the matter, or all of the matter that our solar system is made of. Um, Man, sorry, I, I got a little, what, what was the root question again? Um, specifically about what we need to know and what we need to explore about the fun, water, our okay. fundamental relationship with water. Well, of course, we're made up mostly of water, and we have oceans of water around us, and it kind of, you know, water's kind of a boring topic to many people, but when you really study water, how soluble it is, how it can fit any container, how... Um, the energy of water, uh, you know, and, and when it's in crystal form from ice, uh, how it resonates different frequencies. Um, it's a really, it's probably the most magical thing on our planet, and we take it for granted. I'm uh, very careful of the water I put in my body. I go to a natural spring, and we go and we fill up our five gallon jugs once a week, and we make sure we, you know, eat. Uh, we use that water with everything, and uh, I, I notice a major difference in how I feel by the water I'm drinking, the, just the water alone. Absolutely. Um, thank you. Yeah. Uh, last year in the spring and summer, uh, I was drawn to spend a few months in, in Colorado. Uh, I worked out there, and uh, I wanted to explore the mountains and do some hiking. Uh, eventually, I was drawn to go, go on a, what, what I described as a, as a spiritual hike in, in a place called the Canyonlands in Utah. <clears throat> so when I got there, I noticed there was a huge rock structure that was way, way off the highway, and that's, that's what drew my attention. Uh, so so I, I went on a deep hike there, and when I got there eventually, um, I realized that that area has a very rich history that, that is kept hidden from us. Uh, I, could, I could sense that there, there was probably other beings living there. Yeah, there's a lot going on in Utah. Down under the caverns, yeah. The, um, and quite honestly, uh, the Mormon church and uh, religious groups that when they, they were digging deep uh, facilities to store um, 
uh, I guess mainly records, birth records for like every person on the planet. Uh, they planned, like after the world ended and everyone died, they were going to save them posthumously, you know, with their religion. And it was some, some interesting ideas, I think. But they were building all of this information, uh, these information databases, deep in underground. And when they were doing that, they were running into these small beings that uh, are, are the, uh, the beings that were called the ant people uh, by the Hopi. And the, these beings... Uh, were just watching them mainly building out their doing recon it looked like and uh, I, didn't, I don't know what type of relationship they had with these beings after that but those are the re reports that I got and the reports that I received were that in, in a number of places in Utah underground there are uh, military bases where they're uh, actually building out uh, high technology but uh, they're and they're interacting with ETs that are also in cavern areas in, in Utah. So yeah, there's definitely a lot of activity going on in Utah, underground. All right, well, my question is above ground because uh, <laughs> that, that, that night uh, I, was, I had an RV, so I, I was going to camp out and just sleep in my RV like I usually did. And uh, I, I, I pulled over to this uh, 10, 10 miles north of the Canyonlands and um, I looked out my window and I saw a little star out in the field, and it started to move. And, and I noticed it wasn't a star. <laughs> it, was, it was like a weird light. So I got out of my car, and I noticed there was, there was more of them. And um, it was orange. Okay. Um, this went on for like about an hour and a half. And then um, I, I got back in my vehicle, got on the highway, proceeded to drive. And I noticed it was following me. <coughs> and then, and then uh, Something started knocking on on the roof of my uh, vehicle, like really loud, and and so I couldn't focus. I started to panic. I did a U-turn, dro drove the other way, and uh, the same thing happened. So then I pr I proceeded to just come back to to that area, um, and eventually went to sleep. Uh, the next day, I, I drove into town and um, got some supplies at the supermarket. And as it got dark, I went outside and, and, and looked up in the sky. And I noticed that the light was there. And uh, over the next couple of days, um, I drove back to Boulder, Colorado. And I, and I watched these lights um, pretty much follow me for 300 miles in the sky. <coughs> and. I've also seen them uh, morph their body. Uh, one, one time, one morphed its body and changed into a jet airplane. So it went from being a light, it started to pulsate, and then it turned into a jet airplane and flew away. And um, shortly thereafter, I noticed another one near Boulder turned into a black helicopter. And so this, this has been going on for like the last five months. So I've noticed these, these lights. Um, I've, I feel like they're observing me or they're observing like everything. And this has been going on for the last five months. And the way they move is kind of weird. They, they don't move like they're piloted by, by, by a human. Uh, they kind of move like, like a, a fish in an aquarium. Yeah, I, I hear people mm -hmm. talk about these things, and uh, I don't know what that certain one could be. I've, 
I've had several of those instances. Uh, I even recorded one with my daughter out in front of our house in Colorado, uh, a big orange ball arced across the sky. My daughter was like, whoa. <laughs> and, but uh, the, what I experienced when I was hunting, when I was young, uh, I was out with a friend and I saw a big red orangish ball floating. It's about the size of a basketball. <clears throat> it was floating through the fields almost like it was doing a search pattern over the cornfields. And I sat and I watched it and, it, and it finally got, as it was doing its pattern, got close enough in the cornfields where I got a closer look at it and it looked like it was, it was a complete perfect sphere, but it looked like it was on, uh, on fire. It was, it was fire, but it was contained within a field. But then there was little, little bits would drip every once in a while and it was fl just floating like a drone, like it was, I felt like it was looking for something. And then after it did this whatever pattern it was doing over the cornfield, it went over uh, the field I was in, but further down, and entered into another cornfield and then just kind of disappeared. Um, and my friend that I was hunting with said that he had seen pretty much the same thing out there before. Um, to me, I had, it was, I, I'm, I was pretty sure that it was a drone of some sort that was, you know, observing or looking for something. Aloha, Courtney. Thank you for your presence here on Earth. Um, I wanted to ask you about star seeds mm -hmm. and about um, what it seems like we're going through now, a recapitulation of Atlantis and Lemuria um, in terms of the blossoming of the pure organic blueprint for humanity um, within the light body and the reconfiguration of our DNA within that matrix and expression as well as some of the more uh, drastic things that happen to both of those uh, civilizations. And I, my question is, um, it appears that in the cataclysms that sank Lemuria and Atlantis, it was an excursive um, explosion having to do with the understanding of the nature of things in the outer worlds, but that it can be remedied by a recursive implosion within our light body where we become Noah's Ark and assist the planet to ascend into a different fabric of creation along with all the geology that goes with it. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not exactly sure what the specific question was. And uh, I, I know, I'm sorry. I that, no, no, that's okay. It, I have a theory that as we reconfigure our DNA to its original 12 strands, including our hearts, and move into the um, infinite helix configuration within us that causes a recursive implosion, which is more feminine, and is a way for humanity to become the equivalent of an externalized idea of Noah's Ark and bring the planet into its ascension highest destiny expression along that timeline? 
That's, that's interesting theory. I, I don't really have much to expand on it. I'm, I'm sorry. That's okay. Yeah. I just wanted to share that's, that. All right, thank and you. Could you talk about star seeds then? <clears throat> yeah, so I mean, star seeds and uh, wanderers basically um, um, have come here to incarnate to, uh, some of them have just come to bring love, to, to raise the vibration. Others have come here to do very specific tasks. And some of them uh, came in clusters together to find each other again and to do something, a task or an operation that they already trained for or have done on other planets. The biggest task is, oh, we have to remember who and what we are. And then you come together and then all of uh, the training and, and work that you had done in the past and all the preparation, um, you find a way to um, mimic that in this lower density and try to um, uh, fulfill that certain task. That task could be uh, have to do with uh, creating a pivot in the timeline or just uh, changing the emotional states of people so they can accept information. There's all, all types of uh, um, missions that starseeds have. And you know, a lot of us have com completely different missions and it's almost like we don't have enough in common, but the fact that we are incarnating here to fulfill a mission that puts us all on the same team. I have three mysteries that I, well, a lot of more, of course, but that I would like to ask you about. That is, one is orbs. When I have photographed, like, maybe tens of thousands of orbs, what, what do you think that those are? You know, okay. that you okay. photograph. Well, let me answer them one at a time, because yeah. I can't remember three questions. Yeah, I understand. Um, when it comes to orbs, there are, um, I think, two major types. There are orbs that are uh, spirits or beings, higher density beings, disembodied uh, beings, um, and some of those can be uh, nature, more of the nature types of spirits. But we also have a lot of people, they get really excited when they see orbs, but they don't realize that it's also a natural phenomenon. Um, especially in, uh, if you're in a rocky region with high crystalline rock, and there are rivers and streams either above ground or below ground, or high winds on the rocks. The uh, winds and the, the water going across the crystals create, create a piezoelectric effect, and then it builds up electricity in the, in the overall mountain or mass of rock, like a capacitor. And then when the conditions are right, atmospherically, they release that energy in the form of plasma balls. Uh, the fact that it looks like the orbs look like a coin, you know, like, oh, parents inside, that's just still the same <clears throat> uh, Well, they, d depending on, I mean, they, they, they can appear many different ways. Okay. Second question. White. Um, the, what do you think about the, the negative blood people? <laughs> do you have any opinion about that? Any I, I, research? I didn't hear anything about the, uh, like, RH negative and all of that the blood specifics in about the it. programs. I heard uh, scientists discuss it just kind of in a way that was, they kind of didn't approve. But I really didn't hear much about it until okay. it was after the programs and the community kind of. And the last question and the most spectacular one, I think, is uh, flat earth is not something that you believe, I guess, because hmm? the flat earth theory. <laughs> just no. checking with you what you think. No. Just nonsense? No, it, it's a, it, that was a thought experiment that got out of hand. 
Oh, okay. Okay, thank you very much. Um, I'm going to try and bridge uh, some of Dr. Sala's work and Laura and then get your comments on that. Um, and it also ties in with what you're doing today. So um, the uh, ascension process and the, um, the potential for a new Earth in 5D and the solar flash being a catalyst for that to happen and um, maybe upon that catalyst happening, activating your DNA and maybe we become stargates ourselves and usher in the new earth and maybe um, like the Kali Yuga fire burning away the old earth. Um, I just wanted to get your opinion on that to see if that was a potential. I think it's absolutely, like I said, that what the, the what we call the Zulu, it's, uh, that's not their, their true designation, that race that uh, had developed so far beyond everyone else, they had become personal stargates. And I don't, I think that from what I was shown on this planet, most of people are nowhere near where they need to be to become these uh, uh, um, human wormholes, you know. Uh, but star uh, there's seeds. a small percentage, yeah, a small percentage of star seeds and others who have developed and, and been doing the work on this planet are going to develop all kinds of amazing abilities. But for the most part, it's not going to be kind of a blanket effect. Everyone gets this ability. It's going to depend on how much work that they had they had done before uh, the flash occurred. So, like a lot of these events are kind of like a prerequisite to you know, coming together to do that work so that, you know, when the flash does come, um, <coughs> cataclysm and experiencing, like if you're on the ocean, maybe you don't have to be in fear or relocate physically because if you're doing the work spiritually um, and with your soul family, that it might be just a possibility that, you know, you're going to bridge into this new 5D reality. Yeah, that's... Good thought. I like awesome. that. Thank you. Thank you. Question. So Julian Assange was arrested, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm sure many of you saw it. Um, and given your connections to QAnon and the military, I was just wondering, you know, if you knew what was going to happen to him, um, or you had any insights there? And also, um, if you could maybe share with us how you got in touch with QAnon. Oh. Well, so, QAnon... I, I'm in, I've been in communication with people that uh, participate in bringing information to the larger group, or it's a small group, but the larger group that is QAnon. So I'm not directly connected to them. I'm getting the same, many of the same briefings that are making it uh, through that chain, and also reverse. I'm getting briefings telling me uh, what the Q stuff means and a lot of it is coded like Jordan was talking about a lot of it is it was at first it was um, formed to be able to uh, circulate information in a public way um, uh, for the masses but it was also for operatives in the field there are, there are many many codes uh, so um, I'm not directly connected to Q uh, I've been accused of being Q. Jordan's been accused of being Q. Um, it's uh, directly tied to the president and certain generals that talked him into running for president. 
Um, those generals have given him a lot of uh, uh, military intelligence support. Much of it is not through the active military intelligence right now. Much of it are people who have left the military but still have their own basic, basically all the old spies who left still have their own connections and they're using those connections um, in tandem with some people who are still a, a part of the military industrial complex to, um, to uh, drain the swamp, as, as they're saying, to get rid of uh, uh, the deep state. But what about Assange? Do you know anything? <clears throat> yeah, I've, I've been expecting that for a little while. Uh, Assange is going to go through a very uh, uncomfortable, difficult time for a little while. He's going to be debriefed by probably a uh, couple uh, unfriendly uh, cabal-type uh, nations. Uh, eventually, uh, I think that our extradition, with the extradition that we have out, he will end up in the, in the United States. Um, he will have to, you know, Snowden did some damage to, you know, the good guys, even, with the way he released sources and methods. Um, Assange hurt some good people and may have to pay for that, but overall, he has a lot of really good information in his insurance files that uh, he's going to be able to trade and are going to be able to help the alliance. He has a lot of very valuable information that I think we'll be getting. But like I said, in the short term, he's not going to have a good time at all. He's, he's going to go through some uh, heavy interrogation. Do you remember when you first came in contact with you? Well, I've been in contact with um, the people that work with Q for a many, I mean, for a long time. Yeah. I have a very specific question about, I've been um, getting very vivid flashes of memory of having had deep dive training, both uh, free diving and with equipment, hmm. and having been on the bottom of the Indian Ocean, very specifically. Now, my question is, uh, was, it doesn't make any sense in, in the daily, daily life, but um, would that be part of the inner work that the Anshar recommend that people, I'm sure there are others as well who have memories like that, dealing with that in somehow with <coughs> hypnotic regression of, or can we just safely ignore that and look to the future? I, I don't know. It just depends because when I started uh, digging and, and, and memories then started coming back in chunks, um, you know, be careful what you wish for. You may not want to remember everything. Yeah, that's what I'm afraid for. Yeah. So I don't, you may not necessarily, they may not be necessary. Um, just, you know, working on, um, mainly just focusing on, you know, your, um, on all of the things that are being shown to you by the cosmos right now, if these crazy energies focus on inner growth, um, if that stuff starts popping out more and more, that's usually your higher self or your subconscious bringing out the information for a reason. If it, if it starts coming out consistently, I would probably find a, a reputable uh, regression therapist, mm -hmm. um, one that has like five, ten years experience, um, you know, and uh, see if they can guide you through the process. I was wondering if you had any information regarding Hawaii, you know, ancient technology here, secret military projects here. Um, I have heard of, in the region, the Navy having underground, uh, underwater bases, mm -hmm. but it's more uh, for uh, regular kind of war fighting. Um, they do things with, you know, dolphins, uh, you, know, thing, you know, unsavory things, but 
Um, the only, the, the, the interesting one was the one that uh, Dr. Sala was uh, talking about uh, the other day when I spoke. Were you here? No. You weren't? Yeah, there's uh, a, a legend, I believe, and I'm putting him possibly on the spot again. Um, there was a war between the Lemurians and the Atlanteans, and it uh, happened in Yaw Valley, Yaw Valley on Maui. And the, um, according to the uh, information, the Lemurians fled down into the inner earth to form another civilization. And uh, the Atlanteans came and sealed the entrance so they couldn't come back out. And the, the Lemurians were uh, called the bird tribe, which is pretty interesting. Um, that's the only specific thing with Hawaii that uh, I've heard when it comes to bases and that type of thing. Okay. I was also wondering if you knew any information about the solar crossing, like Sirius and Jupiter, in relationship to that becoming a new star. Um, uh, no, I, I know that uh, they studied for quite a while um, how they might be able to turn Jupiter into a small star. Um, they, they found actual stars out in the cosmos that are the size of gas giants. Mm -hmm. So they really, scientists, they really, do, they can't really tell you honestly the difference between stars and planets. Uh, there's, um, it has to do with categorizing them, you know, specifically. But um, for some, um, it was Jupiter that they wanted uh, to turn into a big, uh, into a small star to make us into a binary star system, uh, and when they did that, they were going to—they thought they were going to create a small solar system with the moons that were around, mm -hmm. and that they were going to be able to terraform those and make them into uh, a, a little mini solar system within a solar system where people would live. Thank you for watching the Sphere Being Alliance channel. Make sure you click on subscribe and smash the bell to make sure you're receiving all the new content from the Sphere Being Alliance YouTube channel.